thing people often don't realize is that as the later the company gets formed, it's got a more of a modern stack available to it to build a technology stack on. Technologies I'm using now, I would have chosen a different path than when we started the company about two and a half, three years ago. And that's how we disrupt the market, right? But then that's how mm-hmm. we get disrupted also down the road. Because once you have a platform which is working with existing customers, you get beholden to it a little bit. And it's very hard to start from scratch. So when you think about chat GPT and some of these other technologies, these are like exponential 10x, 100x type technologies. So any new technology that's being formed now is going to disrupt a lot of technology. Being at the right place, right time, at the intersection of technology, market forces, all these things go. It's definitely when you think about success of a startup, it's a lot of it is luck. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Yasser Ali. Yasser Ali is the founder of Polymer HQ, a no-code data loss prevention for third-party SaaS platforms to limit sensitive data exposure via anonymous remediation. Beautiful. That was pretty Welcome good. Welcome to our show. Thank you, Shahid. So tell us more. Can you elaborate on this? It sounds quite over my my awareness level, but I would love to learn more about it. Sure. No, it's pretty simple. We're basically protecting sensitive data for your organizations to not leak out of common SaaS platforms. Think about chat systems like Slack, Teams, OneDrive, Google Drive, Zendesk, things like that, where you're interacting with customers or interacting internally or with external partners or vendors. There is sensitive data, PHI data, PI data, which a lot of organizations have. And then these are, in some ways, your knowledge highways uh, where all your work happens. And so all your IP, your customer information, Mm. your internal kind of private stuff is being used by employees. And it's so easy with just a link to share it with the world, some of these documents. So our system connects into with one click into these platforms and protects and monitors and protects from your employees to do stupid things as well as nefarious things. So it actually tracks every conversation that's happening in a corporation, anything that's being shared is looking at what's coming in, what's going out to make sure nothing is leaked, correct? Correct. And we will warn the user saying, hey, you did something wrong, or we will go ahead Mm. and redact it out if need be or we will expire the links immediately. So there are various remediation options, but more importantly, we want to train the employees into being better data stewards because cybersecurity is becoming so intractable that without the help of the overall organizations, having a few people sitting at the top trying to manage data exposure risk is just not feasible, especially as we scale up into cloud. And is there, is there a protection against hacking as well? So another, someone else tries to hack into organization, your platform can dynamically sniffen it out. Like it can find out ahead of time or while it's I mean, we, we like to say that, but to be honest, a lot of hacking patterns are, are so like different from yeah. one another. It's very hard to catch that sometimes. Yeah. We have a few tricks up our sleeve. We don't like to publicize it in terms of understanding. Okay. <laughs> 
some hijacking of an account that happens. But yeah. typically, we do not claim that we will stop that just because I can't stand behind yeah, that. Yeah, you don't want to claim. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. claim that because you never know. And especially exactly. there, some of these hacking organizations or individuals are getting really advanced and making that kind of commitment will be difficult. But when it comes to this checking what the company staff is doing in the organization, it sounds quite dynamic. So does this enforces if someone is working at home as well, like offshore? Off, yeah, off-site? So off-site, yes. That's the whole intent. As we, Because we can log into these platforms from anywhere, from home or any unsecured Wi-Fi yeah. even. And people can share, download these documents locally on their computer yeah. and then they're like free-for-all at that point for, in many cases. But yes, it basically monitors each and every event going on in these environments. And most of these events we let go through. But if we see something which where sensor data is involved, then we will flag a violation, start sending alerts or take an immediate action automatically. And can the company actually design what is allowed and what is not ex allowed or is it a standard protection? Yeah, no. So every company could have different set of rules, what they consider to be sensitive and what they want to uh, enforce. Uh, sometimes like some a companies... dashboard. Exactly. So some okay. companies might just want to silently listen without getting in the way of employees. Hey, you just want to monitor and see who the riskiest users are first before start warning them. Some people just want to go straight blown for because of HIPAA or some apps. other regulation. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So does do you find small business using your platform as well? Our smallest customer is probably like a 5% operation. Our largest customer is a 33,000 person operation. So it's a big and com small company problem alike. I would say that once you start getting above 120 employees in the organization, usually you have multiple teams. Usually people don't know everyone necessarily. That's it starts becoming a real like a problem, but we've seen with remote work as people work in multiple areas, there are just like some five to seven percent of your employees in general are just sloppy with data, and they're just risky users which you want to have a have an eye on. Yeah, that's so true, and this kind of polices it, right? Enforces it. It might be just your logo that actually makes them feel like I got to be careful here. The big brother watching is, is definitely yeah. in effect. We've seen the positive outcomes from that. Like we've seen, even when a warning is, and this is coming from behavioral nudging techniques, when you nudge someone once, like immediately you see the repeat offenses go down, especially if it's done publicly by 50% within days. So it does have a very positive effect of having a big brother there in, in this case, at least. Yeah, for sure. And can you share any other stats from using your product and not using it for a business? So in general, on average, an employee might be sending 50 to 100 different types of messages between chats, emails, tickets. So these things add up. So if you think about even like a 10% operation, that's 800 to 1,000, 1,200 messages a day. And even if 1% of them contain sensitive data or sensitive data is being leaked, it adds up. The, the numbers start adding up very quickly where having some sort of guardrails around what's going on in your environment or having a view in terms of what data even I possess in these folders sitting in the Google Drive, for example, 
is no longer nice to have. It's very important, especially as we think about cyber insurance <laughs> costs, which are going up by 40%, 50% a year at this stage. Some companies mm-hmm. are becoming uninsurable from cyber insurance. So these are controls you need to start putting in now, especially if you need to go for cyber insurance down the road where you might want to show this kind of evidence. And companies don't want to work with organizations who don't have SOC compliance or some of the certifications out there, especially in regulated industries like healthcare, financial services. It's Data governance used to be a big company problem. It's regular data hygiene now is something which everyone should be adhering to. And we are just part of mm-hmm. that overall solution. You know, that's excellent. You're doing great work, Yasser, because it's scary, right? Like the talent that's out there and the garbage that can be done and the damage that can be done in a business if you don't have something like this, right? Yeah, no, it's, and, and you hire these employees, you, you vet them, you verify them, you do background checks, everything. but no one is checking in terms of how careful are they with their keys, wallets, yeah. like personal information. So when you start taking that analogy in place, how careful are they going to be with your data? And the, your weakest link is your weakest link in terms of leaking kind of company jewels, company secrets, and maybe even putting you on a liability overall. And people used to think email was the only way the, with the phishing attacks, where you click a link and then you're basically yeah. downloading a virus. That typically is the form, but SaaS has so many holes within these platforms themselves that people fail to realize how easy it is to leak information or just be sloppy about it that can cause large consequences. Yeah, so you sound like a genius, my friend. This is next level. How did you get into all this? Pure luck. I'm not not a cybersecurity person. I used to be a bond trader back in the day. Yes. You were what, sorry? A bond trader. Subprime mortgage trader. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A computer science major, but yeah, I was in training during the financial crisis and then fell into tech consulting, which kind of saw these problems in multiple places I looked at. There's no genius around it. It's just keeping eyes open in terms of what recurring problems are in organizations and just coming up with a solution which goes beyond a consulting gig. That's what this journey has been and, and that's how the product came about. Yeah, it's just there's so many different angles, right? When it comes to this stuff, it's not just, it's not linear. There's so many variables to it to make sure that you have all the bases covered. It requires some very dynamic, dynamic type technology and coding for you to. Yeah, no. So, one thing people often like forget to realize, don't realize is that as the later the company gets formed, it's got a more of a modern stack available to it to build a technology stack on. Technologies I'm using now, I would have chosen a different path than when we started the company about two and a half, three years ago. And that's how we disrupt the market, right? But then that's how Mm -hmm. we get disrupted also down the road because once you have a platform which is working with existing customers, you get beholden to it a little bit and it's very hard to start from scratch. So when you think about ChatGPT and some of these other technologies, these are like exponential 10x, 100x type technologies. So any new technology that's being formed now is going to disrupt a lot of technology. Being at the right place, right time, at the intersection of technology, market forces, all these things go. It's definitely when you think about success of a startup, it's a lot of it is luck. Yeah. Now you speak about chat, about artificial intelligence. What do you feel the... What do you feel 
in your industry, the effect it may have moving forward, if it becomes more mainstream, are you going to have to revamp your whole offering or how does it look like for the consumer than for you guys, for the client, for the business, and then for the service that you provide? Yeah, so we, I'll talk more broadly. Broadly. The chat GPT and all these things, there is definitely an immediate play around search, how it could disrupt Google. Reality is most of the people are not asking questions around, like they want to see options before they can click on something. Okay, I want to see list of restaurants I want to select from. I don't want you telling me where to eat today. That's that those searches are not going to go away. So there will be a subset of search which is going to get disrupted and ChatGPT will and Bing, Microsoft will take some sort of market share of that from Google. But when you think about a lot of these AI technologies, what the underlying differentiation is, what data set they were trained on. Um, and companies who have access to this data set usually are in the best position. So publishers, they can charge more to Google, they can charge more to Microsoft around how their content can be crawled. They might stop some bots to crawl their content. For example, even now you can say, do not follow and Google won't be able to run their algorithm on your web page, for example. So when you think about companies like us sitting within the customer mm -hmm. environment, having access to at least the bot, having access to all this data, which is specific to organization, we find ourselves in a very enviable position where some of the trained models or predefined models, which we have right now, we see a lot of scope around coming up with non-reinforced learning, which is AI out there based on company kind of heuristics, uh, specific to different verticals, specific to different clients. And we'll be able to track, we can already see that right now. We can see different, for example, one thing we already surface is based on the history of how your platform is being used. If an employee wakes up at two o'clock in the morning is two and downloading a lot of files, for us, that is an anomaly which will get flagged, for example, and if no one in the organization works at 2 a.m., for example, yeah. in general. So we have that data, we do surface that data. So I think for us, it's less of an issue, but they, you know, broadly though, there is gonna be a lot of industries that will get disrupted and, and new ones form. So it's a pretty exciting time. Yeah. But do you think it could disrupt what you're doing, artificial intelligence, as it gets more and more complex and intelligent? Any, yes, for sure. Anything yeah. could disrupt, yeah. anything really out there, when you think about AI, there's so much yeah. progress going on. It's, it's inevitable mm -hmm. in some cases. Yeah. Are you guys looking into to being proactive on that side? For your firm? Not really. For us, like the market opportunity of what we're doing right now is so massive that we don't need to. Mm. We can just, but we do have pieces of AI already in our platforms. Okay. It's just a matter of focusing on what's needed right now. For us right now, the mm. customers are asking, do the basic stuff first uh, before yeah. we get these anomaly detection type alerts. And so the focus is solving the 80-20 rule right now. And 90% mm. of the market has zero visibility on what's happening in the SaaS. Even for us to run NLP and provide that insight that alone is a leap function available in the market. Do you know that percentage of how many businesses, for example, in America that are investing in cybersecurity and your type of protection and the ones that are not? Is there a stat on that? There are in, in I think, US, there's 75,000 cybersecurity companies out there. That was a stat about two years ago, old or something. I don't know, yeah. it's probably gone up by now. So. 
cybersecurity mm-hmm. I mean, is massive, it's growing. Investments, I think public, like it'll be the hundreds of billions of dollars was investments last year. I don't know what the number is going to be for this year, but the last couple of years, I guess. But yeah, no, the space is pretty ripe. People still need the cyber protection. That's a problem not going mm-hmm. away even in a recession. It yeah. seems unlikely right now. It's needed. Yeah, it's needed. It's very important. Do you guys actually protect people using their mobile devices as well, like iPads and phones connecting to corporate sites? So as long as the the SaaS platform is running over these platforms, yes, it's part of the purview. Okay, if it's um, part if of run, Using Teams on iPad, it, it's covered, obviously. If you're using OneDrive, it doesn't matter where you're connecting to. It's cloud native, right? Yeah, okay, cloud-based. Very yeah. good. Nasser, so can you share with us what your innermost superpower is that got you to this point in your life? That's either that's a difficult question to answer. I, I, I don't see it's one. Uh, I guess being humble, being being huh? open to learning yes. new things. I think that's an important thing. You have to have humility around what you don't know and keep learning and try to get yeah, better every open day. Mind. That's, that's pretty simple. Yeah. And where do you think, where do you want to take this company in the next couple of years? So we're growing, we're scaling up. So we're probably going to get bigger, both in terms of size um, so, and, and uh, let's see. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a, this is a big problem. We're hoping we can get some market share from solving this. Yeah. It sounds the work that you do could potentially get stressful at times. Do you have any kind of practice or any kind of strategy that you follow to to help yourself relax in your environment? Physical activity is obviously very important. So that mm-hmm. is, as an entrepreneur, without physical activity, it's yeah. very hard to deal with the stresses. So that is one thing I would highly recommend anyone, especially exercise of any sort, especially if in entrepreneurship is very lonely and clearing <laughs> up your mind is super important. Yeah, super. Do you work on clearing your mind as well, mindset stuff? Meditation, yoga, nothing. Oh, nothing very good. But you oh, should that's stop. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Is there anything that you want to recommend or suggest to a fellow entrepreneur in the audience? Uh, please go ahead. Yeah, one thing I do see a lot of like early founders or entrepreneurs who are getting into entrepreneurship is they get so much in love with their own idea that they mm. ignore the market realities. So being humble in terms of what you don't know and testing that hypothesis and being able to test that in, in, in a very narrow band. Okay, doesn't work. Let's try a new thing. Doesn't work. Let's try a new thing. Do not yeah. try to just like keep digging into one thing just because maybe it worked initially and that'll be the be all end all. And that's where I see a lot of things stagnate, companies, mindsets. And there needs to be some sort of a growth mindset, like trying to extract out annuity from a business you created two years ago, it's going to die. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. So you need to keep expanding into other hmm. revenue sources or scaling up the existing one. That was great. Thank you so much for that, Yasser. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on our show. It was great talking to you and learning about what you're doing. I love businesses that are actually out there improving lives. At the end of the day, something that could come into a corporation that could leak into an HR system, for example, going into thousands of people's personal information. This is very valuable work that you're doing, and I appreciate you just coming on our show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Shahid. Really appreciate it. This is great chat. No Thank problem. You. Thank you. No problem. Audience, thanks again for joining us. 
definitely appreciate you guys and helping us grow. Without you guys, we wouldn't be growing as we are. So thank you so much for being part of it. And again, if you're looking into seeing or learning more about what Yasser is doing, his information will be in the show notes. And once again, thank you. And we'll see you next time. And thank you, Yasser. Thank you. Thank you, Shai. Thank you.